0: There's freedom of speech, right? And whether, whether what, what some people want to say, whether I want to hear it, whether others want to hear it, I think that, um, there's hate speech, of course, but, um, our country's built on the freedom to say even very stupid things.
1: Hey, it's Breaking Barriers, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging podcast. We're here for real talk. We're not afraid to go there. And we want you to come away emboldened and energized to take action and make change.
2: We believe our diversity, our differences when joined together by a common set of ideals. Makes us strong.
1: When I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody
2: at their humanity. Your world has changed, but your dreams shouldn't have to. That's why Kirkwood is your next best step. With affordable, flexible, and close to home options, now's a great time to start or finish your Kirkwood degree. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash find your future. Displaced or discouraged at work, Kirkwood can help you learn a new skill or totally reinvent yourself for a brand new career. With so many flexible and affordable options, you can get back on track fast. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash find your future.
1: All right. What's happening? What's happening, world? Welcome back again to another episode of Top Rank's Breaking Barriers DAE podcast. We want to thank our five-star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College, as well as our silver sponsor, PG Cares. Thanks so much for your support. We are excited today. I'm your co-host, Anthony Arrington. I'm with my homeboy, Nick Ford. How are you, Nick? I'm doing good, doing good. We got online, we got our girl, we got our owner, Joy Briscoe. How are you, Joy?
3: Speaking of Kirkwood, it's been pointed out that I have on... Kirkwood
1: blue today. You do. <laughs> I'm wearing Kirkwood blue too for our I listeners. My logo's got a little bit.
3: <laughs>
1: All right, who do we got with us today, Nick? Who's the rock star with us today?
2: Uh, we're excited. It's our our, our sponsors' uh, president, Dr. Lori Sunberg. Uh, she is the fifth president of Kirkwood Community College and the first female to serve in that role. Dr. Sunberg is a first-generation college graduate, like me. Holds a doctorate of business administration and management from St. Ambrose University, another great school in the state of Iowa, as well as an MBA in marketing from Western Illinois University. We won't talk about that much because I swam against my son a while back.
3: She
2: received her BA uh, from Knox College with a double major in economics and history. Uh, prior to coming to Kirkwood, Dr. Sunberg served for eight years as the president of Carl Sandberg College in Galesburg, Illinois. She was the sixth president there and the first graduate and female to lead that institution. She has more than 25 years in community college leadership. Dr. Sunberg was elected by her colleagues from across the country to serve on the AACC Board of Directors in 2013, 2019. Welcome Dr. Sunberg. We are very happy to have you join us today. So I'm let's get at it. Let's chop it up. I'm happy
0: to be here. I'm happy to be at Kirkwood sponsoring too. <laughs> yes, yes. yes we are shit. so
1: appreciative of that. And
0: I'm glad you all have Kirkwood Blue on. That's I'm right.
1: Like, <laughs> 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 that was the plan. must have been a subliminal thing going on there. It must have
2: been. I love it. <laughs> Listen, no, it, it really <laughs> blue bowl, so.
0: Mine was intentional. <laughs> yeah. Ours <laughs> too. Ours uh, too. Uh, yeah.
2: Nice <laughs> wig, <wink>, Joy. <laughs> so... uh First quick question. Why sponsor a podcast like this as the president of a community college?
0: Hmm. Um, because I believe in breaking barriers. And so it was uh, intriguing to me. Um, Anthony serves on our foundation board. And, and so I've gotten to know him through, through that venue. And it was just something that I wanted Kirkwood to be a part of.
1: You know, Laurie, as we, uh, by the way, do you like to be called Dr. Sunberg or Lori? We, we do what, what we want on this show. But I just want to make sure. Yeah,
0: you can call me Lori. All right. <laughs> I feel better
1: doing that. So um, uh, along, the, along the line with Nick's question, you know, as I think about this, um, you know, you're a, a woman uh, in a leadership role, a first. You've had your own, obviously, experiences with discrimination or inequities in your life as a woman. But you're also a person in a position right now uh, as, a, as a white female with power privilege and a platform. And I was telling Nick offline, you you, you use that privilege to sponsor this show. You it, Talk to me about how that how you value your privilege and how you use it. That was just an example. But we think about the space and we think about people in your role uh, in academia or otherwise, but in positions of power that are of the majority, so to speak. And, and talk to me about how you feel about using your power and your platform and your privilege to Uh, advance diversity, equity, and inclusion?
0: Well, you know, here's the deal (laughs) is I I grew up with, uh, my parents didn't graduate from high school. Um, They both grew up in poverty. Um, And, you know, I think today they would probably both have been diagnosed with some type of um, reading disability of um that of, of course back then wasn't wasn't um done and and so higher education changed my life and and I want to make sure that I share that because literally it changed my life it changed my family's life so um Someone said to me one time, you know, uh, what are you you most proud of? And and what I am most proud of is that I changed my family there um, to where you know we didn't have a high school education, right? They hadn't gone to college, and and so now my nephew, I don't have my own children, but I have stepchildren. They went to college, and then my nephew, my brother's son, he went to college, and so now there's a There's a legacy of college going that that didn't that wasn't there before. So it changed in one generation. It changed a family dynamic. And so I know what the what education, higher education can do. It has a power to change lives and change families. And so. I've never forgotten that. And so the fact that I have a platform now, um, I try to use it. I try to use it for good. And to talk about um, what higher education can do for for everybody, for women, for people of color, and and the way that it can change lives. And so that's why this podcast was important because it's talking about breaking barriers and it's talk. And those are barriers. Those are barriers to a different life.
1: Absolutely. Well,
3: before, I, I love it because it before everyone jumped on me and you were having this moment of kind of even talking about, you know, the cost of that, right? Like as a woman with, um, a family and now you're looking at retirement. And so even from the lens of why you chose the area that you did and what you've been able to do in that area, are there things that you feel like you had to give up or that it costs you to be able to build and kind of change your family's even trajectory? and and actually make the impact that you're making in the community.
0: Oh sure. I, you know, I think that women in particular struggle with um if you have a job like this or or a job that's that's demanding, there's a struggle because um you feel like you're not there for your family and then on the other hand, then if you're doing this, then um you know, you you have you know, this ambition or this desire, you know, to, to do something else. And at the same time, there's this, this competing feeling. And I think that I'm not unique. I think every single woman who's in the workforce um feels this at some degree. And so, um and that's not to say that men don't feel it. I just, I mean, I just don't identify it that way. Right. I mean, I, I know my experience and I don't try to, I don't try to, um, to put upon like what other people, what their experience might be, but that's my experience. And so, uh, yeah, we were talking earlier. Um, I have missed a lot over the years and, uh, and, and I don't regret that. Um, but I also feel like I, I try to have a good balance, but I do feel like it really is time to have some family time.
3: I
1: love that. So I want to I want to kind of piggyback, pick up on what you said there about the word sacrifice, and we're talking about sacrifices and and also lived experience. And you mentioning, you know, I in your role, you don't want to uh, perceive that you understand how somebody else lives. When we segue that, and we talk about what's happening legislatively at in higher education, when we talk about the challenges that are being faced right now with institutions trying to teach history particularly african-american history um, part of that history is talking about those sacrifices and the challenges that people of color had to to get us where we are today in today's society and and that's there's challenges right now in higher ed- education to try to minimize that that history minimize those painful sacrifices which is what they were how do you feel about that as a as a as a college leader, how do you feel about the legislation that's taking place and and what I what this is Anthony Arrington's opinion, just so we're clear, that what Anthony Errington believes is the effort to suppress history and suppress those sacrifices. How do you feel about what's happening right now legislatively?
0: Sure. Uh I think that's a huge challenge for us. There's also, I think, a little bit of a movement um in terms of gender studies as well. Um and and so the the notion that um, you wouldn't teach for example women's literature or um you wouldn't teach African American history um any of those things um that's a, that's a challenge because and it, it's one that you know I think we have to I, I don't want to say fight back because it's not a fight um it's a conversation and it's and it's about um, the importance of all voices in our history and and gender as well as um, people of color, all those histories. I came from Galesburg, Illinois. And in Galesburg, we had a large Mexican community. They came in the 1920s and 30s. And there's been a documentary made. It's called The Boxcar People. And they came to work on the railroad and they lived in boxcars. And um, you've seen it. Yeah. And it's powerful. And one of my trustees on my Sandberg board, her parents lived um, in the boxcars when they came. And so that's a story that needs to be told. Um, I you know, there's countless stories. When I was at Knox College, I, I took a, a course on African-American history. And that was my first introduction to so Everything that even like slavery and how it started and all of that. And I didn't know anything about that. And to think that I was in college before I started that, you know, that's that's troubling. So um I think it's something we have to keep talking about. I think we have to continue to talk about the importance of it. And um, there's a lot of stories that, that that need to be told.
1: You mentioned that it's a challenge. Why? Yeah, why do you think it's a challenge?
2: I'm kind of curious too. Like in the role you're in, and we see that the asked Anthony like the battle of higher education and education in general. How in your role do you are you able to fight that as
0: well? Um. So I have. So here uh, we haven't had any. Any, um, like directives or any kind of legislation that has prohibited Kirkwood from doing what we do. And so, um, we haven't faced anything here. We can continue to offer the same courses we've had before. We, we still have, you know, the same conversations we had before. Why it's a challenge is because right now, politically, it is, um, a, a political fireball right now. And, and it shouldn't be. It, it there's nothing political about it. And but it has been made to be political. And so um, so that's why it's a challenge. And I think there's a lot of things right now that have been politicized that shouldn't have been, but they have. And and so that makes it a challenge because sometimes you can't have a conversation because it's not really about that. It's about a, some kind of political
3: thing that's going on Mm -hmm. when you started it you said too like I'm talking about my lived experience like as a woman I'm not saying Uh that men didn't didn't endure these things but I'm speaking Uh from my perception and it's interesting that like in this conversation we can easily do that but from a political standpoint it's almost like you know I want to deny the stories of other people if I'm not able to relate to them and so Uh it just is very interesting as how do we how do we counter something like that? Some of the stories are gonna be very uncomfortable, right? Like, funny story about Joy is, I have German in my background. Well, Germany has a, you know, funny <laughs> reputation. They've done some things, right? Like, and, and and whether me as a black woman, you know, that's not the first thing you think of. Like, I didn't even know. I was talking to my great grandmother one day and she was like, I, I thought my um, her mother was indigenous and she was like, she was actually, german and indigenous and we have german in our lineage and i was like oh okay that was something you didn't know but i can't erase the the history of what happened in germany there and again i don't know what side we were on i just (laughs) my great grandmother just told me that that was our lineage but at the end of the day it's just so interesting that so many people aren't just willing to say hey i you know i honor your experience there you go I honor your experience. Right. I don't know what it's like, you know, I'm I'm a heterosexual black woman, right? right. I, I don't know, you know, I have a trans daughter. I don't know what her journey is. Like right. I can't, you know, and I'm gonna be honest, my generation is very different. So I grew up in a time where, you know, when when pronouns and things, I have to ask questions and and also just ask for grace if I get it wrong. Yeah.
0: To explain Absolutely. to
3: Absolutely, yeah. and I think that's
0: part of the problem today too is that some people are afraid to talk because they're afraid they're going to make a mistake. And, and that's, we got to get past that somehow to say that even if you mess up, that as long as the intent is to understand, which that's, you know, people that are in this to talk about the challenges we have and and have these conversations, they are seeking to understand um, that you got to give some grace as people try to learn how to do, how to have that conversation authentically. Um, Because otherwise, if you're just, you know, really polite and, and, you know, you don't really um, seek to understand authentically, um, you just kind of gloss over it. And and that's not, that's not going to advance us, I don't think.
1: So I want to, let's go there. We like to go there on the show, don't we? Yeah. I think that's okay. important. Um, you bring up a good point, and I talk about this often, and that is we have to talk about it, and we have to have that courage to talk about it. So for our listeners, tell me about, talk to us about your, how you do that as a leader in in, in your spaces, in your world, and what do I mean by that, Lori? When you're at your a cocktail party full of wealthy donors or you're, uh, at a Christmas party with your family and friends, and you hear something or you learn of something that you know is probably inappropriate or not factually correct um that under normal circumstances might create tension if you talk about it. How do you manage that in your world?
0: Kind of depends depends on the situation um it depends on the context and the intent um there's sometimes. Um, and I, I can say this from my personal perspective. Um, I had a board member who, at what not from here, but from my previous, that um, many people perceived was a male chauvinist because he would say inappropriate things. And I, I knew he was not. I mean, I knew that he did say these things that would a- appear that way. But I knew that's not what his heart was or his intent was. He's just older, and 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 so he hadn't hadn't learned that that was not the way you would you would talk about things. So I try to do that because if you react at the moment, you lose the moment. If you can listen and then try to understand, you know, like what is their perspective and and why did they think that and can I respond in a way that they're able to receive it? Because sometimes you can. Um, and sometimes it's not in a situation that, that you can and that they can receive it. Um, so if it's going to embarrass someone, um, that doesn't put them into a place where they can receive that, you know, that feedback. If it's, if it's not in that situation, and sometimes I can, then I do. Um, I'm never, I never want to create more divide. I always want to, seek to understand and to, and to bring people together.
1: Well, how's that sound? Mr. Ford, did that, did right you hear those two?
2: <laughs> Seek to understand, when, listen to understand.
1: One of the things that we do, I'm. you You mentioned two things. One is that seek to understand um, con- context uh, as well. And also we've, we've talked about this. You and Joy have just mentioned that that lived experience and what we try to do as facilitators in this space, when we're trying to advance and, and, um, champion DEI and B is that, and this is the most difficult part. How do we come to that space of understanding and level of neutrality in those situations? Because it's easy to trigger. I can tell you what Anthony would have done 20 years ago if I was in a room and I heard something inappropriate. I know what the 20, I know what the 19 year and 20 year old uninformed Anthony would have done. Just what you said, I would have made the divide worse. I probably would blow up in the room and call that person out. But now I try to remember, and I think about my father-in-law a lot. I'm in a biracial marriage and my father-in-law is white. And and I think about some of the comments he's made. And I, again, the 20 year old would have just wanted to snap on my father-in-law, but I know he comes from a place that he doesn't know. This is how he was conditioned to speak when he says words like colored, um, Mm -hmm. and doesn't understand the context behind that. I've had to teach him over the years. And it's, I just know that, uh, seeking to understand matters. And that's what we, we value, uh, at, at top rank. So glad to hear that you think that way as well.
0: Oh, Anthony, you know, if you would have talked to me 20 years ago, you would have had a different version of Lori, mm-hmm. right?
1: Let's talk about um, that. What's that? What was Lori like? Know, twenty? That's transition. We yeah, all grow.
0: You're right. Like 20 years ago. Yeah. Lori would have reacted in a way and said something that, It wouldn't have have advanced the conversation. Um, I can remember several things that happened to me in my career that uh, were gender-related that I called people right out on it and um, did so in a way that didn't advance the conversation. Um, And so I've learned over the years, if I really want to make a difference, if that's what I'm really trying to do, I've got to, I've got to, I cannot react. I have to seek to understand. Otherwise, if all I'm trying to do is be right and to point out how right I am, that isn't going to get get us to move forward. And so um, I,
3: I have learned a lot over the years. <laughs> sure. That's maturity, right? Like yeah. that whole, you know, when I was younger too, I was definitely a person that was like, I am talking to be right and I am going to, however I can come out of this conversation, that I am right. And that clearly from my facts and from the, the everything, the, the tone of my voice, everything is going to let you know at the end that I was right. Right. And so as you grow, though, it's like, are you really seeking more to be right? Or do you want to be understood? And are you trying to have some transformation and connection with the person? Because that's a whole different approach than just, you know, here are my facts, here's everything that's right. And you are wrong, and how can your perspective then implementing grace into the conversation, implementing understanding into the conversation, and implementing like, okay, I'm trying to understand where you're coming mm-hmm. from, right? And that, not that I don't struggle with that sometimes. Still,
2: oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I'm exactly. waiting to catch up to you all. Apparently, yeah. with, according to my youngest yeah, I boy. Want
3: to so right, and I want you to feel bad that you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Right? According yeah. to my youngest son,
2: I'm still working on that. So yeah. exactly, exactly. No, as a facilitator. it's... it's-
0: that gets us nowhere, no. right? it does. So I can go back home and I can feel better that I was right, you know, and yes. I said something right, but it doesn't advance the real conversation, which is what we have. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't allow me to understand that person's perspective. Like, why do they think that way? um and and what is their experience? And so if I can understand that, a lot of times that helps me understand why they view things that way.
2: Yeah. One what, what issue I, I've seen, and, and it's even hard for me, like when you said, you are know, missing the kids, I know Joey and I were thinking, you know, we were both military vets, so I can relate to that, but I think people don't understand they can relate to something and still not understand. So like, I'm, I'm not a woman, so I, your experience is different than even mine. And I think that a lot of people get locked up on that, where- I, you hear it. We, I understand. Well, no, you really don't. So right. maybe I mean, could you expound on that a little bit? Cause...
0: Yeah, it's like someone who has, you know, gone through some type of like cancer diagnosis. I mean, I can empathize with that. And I can say, oh, I understand. But, you know, I don't because I haven't gone through that. I have and I haven't. I mean, I know I what it feels like to support someone who has gone through it. Um, but that's that's as close as I get to it. And so I think that's that's the issue. And I that's one thing that I've learned over the years is is that people come from things from like, you know, a million different uh perspectives. And if I can figure out what the perspective is, sometimes then I can really have a good conversation. Yeah.
1: My dream, Lori, is to sit down with a Ku Klux Klan member. Mm-hmm. And and figure out how that Ku Klux Klan member thinks. My, my ultimate goal would be, how could I change the mindset of a Ku Klux Klan member? I'm using that loosely here. I'm talking about... I was going to so say, print.
3: that's your dream, Anthony. I'm using that. I'm in space.
1: I know I had to back up, make sure y'all understand, listeners. Okay. I'm using, okay. that us okay. using that word loosely. Using that I word loosely. Okay. would. How can I change the mindset of people who think so, so negatively about another group of people? Uh, how do I penetrate that mindset? How do I have the patience to to listen, and how do I impact change through my conversation? I, I don't know that. That's one of the hardest things ever. So, m- dream maybe not a dream, <laughs> but I think there's how are there opportunities to talk to people who don't think like you? That's the extreme. That's the extreme example, of course. But I, I, I want to be able to be good at that. I want to be able to be good at that.
0: And, and there's really an art to that. Uh there's an art to and I think it comes from being authentic. If if it's contrived, I think people sense that. They think if it's authentic and you really are seeking to understand, I think that's felt somehow and it it and it can allow that to happen.
1: Let me ask you this though, Lori, do you believe or or nick or joy uh there's lines that can not be crossed that some there there's conversation. And then there's just some things that uh, that's just not up for discussion. Um, how do are there things, how do you feel about that, Lori? I guess, or, or any of you, you know, are there when we're having conversations about difficult situations, there are some truths, there's some facts that you just can't dispute or argue with. Um,
2: well, I, I would just add in, you know, I feel hopeful that anyone can change. But I also know that that's not true. That, that's kind of the way I look at it, right? Like some people, you can have a discussion until you're blue in the face. You're not going to change your mind, even if you show them every fact humanly possible to counter it. And, and that's where I was leaving my next question too. As a liberal arts institution, there's always that liberal mentality out there in colleges and universities. I haven't seen it personally. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing, maybe too, to Laurie. Like how do you, how, where, where's your line? Where's the Is that kind of what you're getting to Anthony? like where, 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 or have you had an experience where like, there's just no longer, you just can't do it. I mean,
0: yeah. Um, my, I think my line is, uh, there's freedom of speech, right. And whether, whether what, what some people want to say, whether I want to hear it, whether others want to hear it. I think that, um, there's hate speech, of course. But um, our country's built on the freedom to say even very stupid things. And so, um, you know, we had a situation here with uh, an adjunct who had made some, you know, derogatory remarks on and on Facebook. And uh, we, of course, knew about it. And uh, he has a right to he had a right to say those things. But then the TV station um, found out about it and they and they aired it and it created this firestorm uh, between the right and the left. And and I didn't feel like I could uh, protect him or or the students in his class. And so we removed him from the classroom and I didn't know that you could do this. But I made the right mad and I made the left mad. Um, and I didn't know that you could make both sides mad, but I I did because I did not condemn his speech. And so the right was mad uh, because I believe in freedom of speech. That doesn't mean I like what he said, but he has a right to say it. That's what our country's built on. And I made the left mad because I removed him from the classroom. And but it was about safety. And so uh, it's hard for me to say like exactly where a line is because until you're faced with it, um, you don't know. But I, I knew with that situation where where my line was. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think we all have had those experiences where, you know, at some point, either in a conversation or in the context of what we see or learn it, there has to be, at least in my opinion, there are some, some lines that, that have to be crossed. And in our space as facilitators, sometimes we like to call it challenge or put on your, your teacher hat um, because exactly. it, uh, there's a point where you need to listen, but there's also a point where you need to teach facts. And so we're, we're always cognizant of that. So,
3: One of my mentors says that if if nobody's mad at you, you're not doing your job. I'm like, well, <laughs> wow, gee,
0: thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been told that too. Yeah. And, and I hate that. But, you know, so oftentimes it can be true um, because you have to take hard stands and and you're going to make somebody mad along the way. I mean, if you can make both the right and the left mad, the conservatives and the liberals mad at the same time. You know, I, I, I used to say, I guess I did something right.
2: Day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can't say you're um, partial one way or the other.
0: <laughs> no, I was not. I was not. I mean, I really was trying to make a decision. Uh, based upon the the situation facing me at that time. And, and so I, I had to sort through Anthony, just what you said, where's the line and, and what does that line mean in terms of safety? Uh, Because sometimes your the line does have a safety component to it.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, do we have a listener question today? And what what, do we have a listener question? Did we get a question from a listener? I
2: thought we were going to get one. I thought I was gonna get one earlier, but the person didn't answer back. Unfortunately, (laughs) Someone in the community well, college I had one industry. earlier
3: when they learned that we were going to have you on um, someone someone asked me earlier just because with the current state of education and where it's going and you are looking at retirement they they were like what is something that you did as an educational leader that you would say oh yeah this is this is oh. something I want to leave with my younger self yeah. and then is, what is something leaving with your younger self that you would say hey you know what don't do that again <laughs>
0: Good question from our listener. That's a great (laughs) question. Oh gosh. All (laughs) kinds of things. Um, what? I don't know. Like for me, commencement, commencement is the day of the year that reminds me why I do what I do. Because you see the families in the audience and you see how proud they are of their graduates. And you know that the Kirkwood has made a difference in people's lives. And, and it, it's, it's like that kind of gets me through the whole next year, you know, and all the challenges we face, because that's what we do. And I know, Anthony, you have a particular experience with Kirkwood, with your mom, and you know, you know, it just, Kirkwood changes lives. And um, it's pretty special. And I, I feel on commencement day, I mean, I stand there with all kinds of privilege, feeling like what an, what an opportunity I have to be the president here and to be a part of all of that.
2: Sure. So I have a unique question here. I, when I was doing some research a while back, I realized, I found out that Kirkwood Community College is actually the biggest high school in the state. Sure. Now, this was a few years ago. I'm not sure if it's still the case. Biggest, um, high the biggest high school, biggest high school. That a lot of kids getting there. This is before they changed the rules, like getting GADs and and the program out there. And I just found well, that really interesting. There's so you know so much that Kirk the community colleges do that people always think it's just a college, a two year college, and it's really not. And it's like, no.
0: yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, we also do concurrent enrollment. Yes, um, yes, that's probably what. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so for those students who are taking high school credit, they can also get college credit. And uh, so that's uh, increasingly um, something that we're doing that, you know, it makes an impact on students. And I talk to parents about it. It reduces because it's free. I mean, it is free. You can get college credit and the family pays nothing. So if you have a student that, you know, wants a bachelor's degree. Why would you not do as much dual credit as you can? And then when the student graduates from high school, you know, they only have probably two years left um, of college that you have to pay for. And so I, I keep saying you have to do general education requirements somewhere. You might as well do them with us. We have small class sizes. It's the same as going to a private a private college in terms of the student to faculty ratio. Um, many of our faculty, most of our faculty have Ph.D.s. So um, I think it's just something that every family should consider in terms of totally uh, in terms of the total reduction in uh, a bachelor's degree cost.
2: It's like we did for our audience we did not rehearse this, but it's like she went it was a poorly worded question, but it, she took it right where I wanted to go because when you think about from a diversity lens, diversity equity, inclusion belonging lens, you know a lot of the pit the, the barriers for for legacy families becoming like like you and I, first time college students is, is economic. And, you know, I, I think people don't look at that as there are ways to do it that are still within reason economically and yet still get to that end goal. And then, you know, I think you mentioned the same thing, you know, I'm the first time in my, in my family, but every one of my kids have gone now and all my nieces and nephews are going and you start seeing that. And then you look at communities that, that don't have those assets. It, it's, it's just, I think it's a great avenue and so that was really where my question was leading is, you know, where does the community college role play into the, the D, E, I, and B yeah. side of things? So,
0: I mean, look at that. You're a classic example. In one generation, your family, you know, changed from non-college going to college going. And uh, I would say in 20 or 30 years, you're going to look back and you're going to see the difference higher education made in your family's, you know, long-term viability.
1: And success, Well, Lori. I know we we could talk all day. I know we're getting near near the end. I, I do have one more question before we wrap up, though. And okay. because you're retiring, you're about to go fishing or do whatever you do or <laughs> hang out with grandkids <laughs>
2: by a lake. I mean, that's that's we I think about.
1: Yeah, as we think about this diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space, and our d- desire to champion it, If there's one or two things. One or two initiatives that you are most proud of in the, I think you've been with Kirkwood five years, four years. Mm -hmm. There's one or two nuggets that you're most proud of as it relates to DEI and B. What would they be under your watch?
0: I'm really proud of what we've done with DEI. And so, and and I can't take the credit for it. Um, When we were thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, it has many facets at, an, at a college or university. So you have the hiring component, right? So you want to have faculty and staff who are diversified. Uh, you also want in the classroom, the experience of a student in the classroom that things like the readings that they have for that week include readings from, you know, diverse scholars. Um You want people to feel welcomed in the classroom, that they feel like, you know, I'm I I can relate. And then you also want. Advisors. Who, because that, that's the next direct link for our students to get connected and you want them to be uh diverse. And so it's like this three pronged approach that we had. And so typically, what people what institutions will do they'll hire like one person, this is our diversity officer, and then you know we didn't go that direction. so what we have are we have faculty um faculty diverse scholars who have made the last twelve to eighteen months researching how how to create um classroom experiences. That value a a diverse amount of opinions. And then we have, and then they're training other faculty. Like, this is how you do it. So that when I go into a class and I'm a black female, I get to read about, I get to read authors that are black female authors. And then I can see the scholarship, um, with someone like me. And so that's part of it. And then we have hired people on the HR side obviously, to begin to make sure that we are hiring diverse people. And then we also have what we call our equity success coaches. And these are coaches specifically designed to work with students of color to ensure that they are successful. Because we enroll more minority students than our district represents. We're like number two in the state. But they don't complete at the same rate as our white students that's a problem for us that's a gap and so we have hired equity coaches for students of color that that their main job is to make that student feel welcomed make sure they feel that they they belong and that they can succeed at the same rates
1: where did you get that model from that's an interesting i'm a board member and i don't i must have missed that i don't remember that one the success, coach. Yeah. I think I remember the success coaches, but I didn't, I might have missed that, that component. I'll yeah, really tell
0: you what, it, it resulted from, um, my, it resulted from a several different people on the cabinet. So, um, my VP for student services, John Boozy, uh, Wes Fowler over my, oh, yeah, of Wes. Star. and, and just, and then my vice president of academic affairs, Jennifer Bradley, just kind of talking about rather than talking about. This position will, is what we just need to hire, which was kind of like my mindset. Like, we just need to hire someone, right? That knows this work. And they're like, well, let's wait. Let's talk about what do we need? And it needs to be across the entire institution and all these different facets. Why don't we get that first? And, and, and try to, to make a difference and understand where we can get some some gains before we just hire someone. And so it really came from having conversations about, okay, so what's the challenge? How do we wanna get after it? What resources do we need to do it? And so I don't think other places are doing it quite this way. And I don't, and I can't say that this, this would work for every college. What I'm saying is, it works for us. It has been working
1: for us. I commend you for that, and I'll yeah. and I'll say because the, one of the things that you said we talk about all the time. Nick and Joy and, I and others in this space, but oftentimes organizations, be it academic institutions or corporations, will hire the diversity person. Let's just hire, right? That's right. that solves the answer. Let's just hire. Yeah. Um, so they're either trying to hire minority staff or they're trying to hire this my, this DEI leader and don't give them any resources and assume that that solves the problem. And they set them in a corner with no budget and no team and, uh, and no voice from the people that they're supposed to lead. So I'm really glad to hear that Kirkwood's doing that. Uh, yeah. cause we don't hear that often.
0: It's pretty cool. It really is. You know, our faculty diverse fellows, are it's, it's, you know, they're, they're proud to be part of that and they've taken it very seriously. They're working with faculty in the classrooms to make sure that students have that sense of belonging. Our right. Iowa Hall um, that was recently renovated was designed entirely to create a sense of belonging. Because what we know is that if we can connect with students and, and they feel like they belong at Kirkwood, they will complete. Um, it just takes one person to make that connection with them. And so that the Iowa Hall renovation was done entirely to create that sense for people. And then, you know, of course, you know, HR and that's kind of a standard thing. Um, but I feel, I feel like this model is working for us and it really came just through conversation. And I don't, you know, yeah.
3: I know model like Lori, <laughs> I was, so I was searching you probably uh, Maurice text me. You could hear some of my typing because I was like, Dude, I, is another, I haven't heard of another community no. college doing that. That was what I was typing and looking at, actually. And I was just like, wow, because it's almost like a K-12 model because mm-hmm, yes. the, K-12, they do that more in K-12. Mm-hmm. But those of us who are on the ground working with students that transition from a high school to college, we know oftentimes they aren't ready and that they do need more hands-on support, especially if I'm coming from, maybe I'm a first-gen student, maybe I don't have other people that have went to college in my family or around me, then they do need those higher levels of support. So that's what I was like trying to look at, like, huh, that's pretty groundbreaking. I I like that a lot. And I was like, I haven't seen that anywhere else. I know we do it in K-12. And I know people have talked about that model, but the fact that you've already implemented that model and been doing it for several years. It's really, really, um, yeah, yeah. We, we commend that. That's an awesome stuff.
2: Well, and we talked before the show, I mean, my experience going out there as a veteran, you had that set up for veterans. We do. So, I mean, or you see like when my kids all swam in college, the athletes all have that. It's exactly. it's just expounding on it, it. seems like, but in a really unique way. And it's, it's kind of neat. Cause yeah. like Anthony said, you know, we were a big proponent of hiring someone to, to be kind of own DEI as well. But wow! If when you guys get to that point out there, it's set up for success. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Instead of for failure, yeah. and it's it's really neat.
0: We have trio programs here, and that's one thing that I'm, I'm proud of. That since we've been here, so I'm first gen. Trio programs are for first gen and low income students, and we had one program when I was here. We have five now, wow. and they're I know they're competitive grants. They're hard to get, and our grant writer Doris Nyanga, she's fantastic. And it's been a push because those are the resource. You need extra resources to reach that population and to support them. And you're right. Our athletes do really well, but it's because they have that support. Our veterans do pretty well because they have that support. So it just makes sense. We would have equity coaches too, because we have trio. And so, uh, it's really trying to provide the support, uh, when it's needed. And uh, to get that student to feel like they can see themselves as a college student, because sometimes the family that you grew up in, you know, you don't see yourself as being able to be successful in college. And there's a whole other language we speak in higher ed. That when I first got to college, I'm like, "What are they talking about?"
3: Right? Exactly. Exactly.
0: and and you know, what does all this mean? And, <laughs> and so, first gen um, that, that it's tough. So, yeah. So, yeah, there's some things I am very proud of because, uh, we have, we have expanded services for a diverse group of, of students and
3: learners. And I'm, re- I am proud of that.
0: You should be
1: proud. that. Right.
3: has any legislation though, the way that you've written that into positions, the legislation probably doesn't impact that because of the way that it's kind of been written into certain roles, right? I, I'm imagining
2: yeah, uh, no, we don't have any problem with any legislation right now. That's
0: good. Yeah. Keep plowing forward.
1: I
3: don't say said right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> right now, right? <laughs> well, Lori, you know, as we as we wrap up the show, we always like to give our guests the the, the floor, uh, the stage, um, and we want to make sure that if there's as we as we think about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and 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 end the show. Is there anything you would like our listeners to know from you? Uh, any nuggets of of uh, advice or a commentary you can share that would inspire our, our listeners uh, to continue
2: to champion DEIMB forward. In addition to all the ones you've already dropped. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Keep listening authentically and seek to understand people and offer some grace uh, as people learn. Um, because even I, uh, when you were talking about pronouns, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm like, am I going to say the wrong thing? And Cause that isn't an experience I've had and it's, it's relatively, you know, new too. And so I, I always want to make sure that I'm, I'm not, you know, making someone feel uncomfortable. And so I think that, that that's the key is, is to be authentic about it and to own it. If you're, if you are afraid or, and you, and you really, your intent is to is to learn to say that um, so that the person can help you learn.
1: Seek to understand, own it, Authentically listen. <laughs> Authentically listen. She's, she's dropping oh, she dimes, people. She's she been reading our website. She's dropping. Yeah. You know, so she's dropping, she's dropping oh, I dimes, it. people.
0: Oh, okay. I'm here, I always <laughs> own it. So, like when I like mess yeah. up, I own it, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. I just say I'm sorry. Um, that and I, and that I,
3: diffuses it so much if people
0: just say, I'm "Hey, sorry.
3: I'm yeah. sorry."
0: If somebody else makes a mistake and they say I'm owning it, I'm sorry. I'm I'm like, okay, we're good. Okay,
3: okay, we're good. All I need
0: to know, right? That you understand that you know you messed up and and you're sorry, and then we're gonna go forward because it's all about having some grace.
1: Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you for your time. I know Joy's gonna take us out. We really appreciate You you
3: doing the good work.
1: Thank you. Joey, you gonna take us out to be here.
3: Joy was a pleasure to be <laughs> Nick as it was well. definitely a pleasure. Right. Congratulations. Hopefully, I will see you around in sunny South Carolina sometime. I love to
0: see you. <laughs> yes,
3: <Yeah, laughs> definitely, definitely. Congrats. I'll come visit you on your lake because that. You come visit me. I'll, yeah. I'll take you
0: out on the lake. We'll have a little boat run.
3: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Lori. All right. Well, thank thanks,
1: Anthony. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Well, All we right. drop we drop episodes twice per month on your favorite audio platforms and YouTube. Search Breaking Barriers, D E I and B podcast. And thanks again for listening. We hope you take whatever you heard with you on your journey to change hearts and minds when it comes to DEI and B. Until next next time, break some barriers.
2: Yep. Yes. Big shout out to our five-star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College. We appreciate your partnership on this podcast. Big love to you there. Uh, also big thanks to our silver diversity sponsor PG Cares. Also want to give thanks to our friends of Breaking Barrier supporters. Community Savings Bank, and Tyler Lincoln Barnes DDS. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up. Send your questions, comments, suggestions to info at topranktalentsolutions.com. Thank you for your
1: time, Lori. Enjoy retirement and uh, save a fishing pole for me out there. Definitely. Take care.
2: Advancing equity is not a one-year
1: project. It's a generational commitment.
3: There are too few people in the world willing to be the domino. Too few people willing to take that fall.